Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sassy Warrior Podcast. I am your host, Lucy Pinto. I'm excited to share with you my stories of everyday resilience and allow others to share theirs. My goal is to help people heal and find inner peace through our shared stories. This episode may include profanity or discuss topics that may be triggering for some. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Sassy Warrior Podcast. It's Lucy again. I am so excited to have my friend Lindsey Graham on today. Say hi, Lindsey. Hi. (laughs) Are you excited to be here? Oh, I am. I'm a sassy warrior just like you, and I'm so happy that you asked me to do this interview today. Awesome. Awesome. I guess I'll briefly tell you a little bit about how Lindsay and I know each other. Lindsay and I met in college. We both went to Savannah College of Art and Design, and we met in the film department. And we've kind of kept in touch over the years and have supported each other in our interesting and delightful endeavors that we've been on, emotionally been there for each other as as well. Lindsay's a really great friend of mine. Lindsay, I brought you on today because I would love for you to tell us your story about how you lost your job during the pandemic and how you handled it. Sure, sure. For many people, 2020 was a year of banana bread, living walls, sanitizer, armchair travel, shopping local, office decor. But for me, it was sort of a walkabout. It was a year of a sudden layoff due to company-wide downsizing last March, and I decided to do something completely out of character. I was really depressed. I turned off my brain. I followed my humanitarian heart to East Tennessee, where my parents live. And I felt called to save small businesses in economically disadvantaged communities disproportionately affected by the pandemic. I'm in marketing. I'm kind of a really good at communicating ideas, selling brands, selling products. I moved out of my sleek apartment in Atlanta, Georgia. I put all my possessions in storage and I drove to East Tennessee with a suitcase, a laptop, and a vision. And I convinced my mother, who is the CEO of several nonprofits, to volunteer as a jack-of-all-trades marketing specialist, ready to serve the community, which involved 15 counties surrounding Knoxville, as well as nine states outside of Tennessee, I volunteered. So I poured my heart into ghostwriting articles, press releases, blog posts, educational videos, and a monthly newsletter. And I copy edited freelance articles, relaunched a monthly newsletter that grew from 10% to 60% open rate. I designed trip guides, virtual booths, presentation decks, annual reports for the CEO, and I even shot a mini doc with multiple cameras about a sea captain locking through the TBA, the Tennessee River Valley dams, as he cruised the segment of the Inland River of America's Great Loop. And remarkably, my calling not only served small businesses, but it led to record-setting earnings and economic growth for the businesses and business owners involved. And the region actually received national recognition for being the most traveled destination in the U.S. And what I lost in wages, I gained in compassion, And 2020 really taught me that it's the little things that we do for others in the community that profoundly affect the world, really. So it's less about me and more about community and giving back and and, uh, healing. Yeah. I'm just curious, when the pandemic started, what was around the time that you got laid off? Was it directly after or? Oh, no, it was right before. 
I have a freelance job. I have been doing freelance as well as working full time since I got started in the business in my 20s. And when I got laid off, it was the end of February. My last day was like the 28th of February or the 26th of February. And I called up all of my freelance companies and had work booked out for, I'd say the rest of the year, at least the next six months. And within two weeks of that happening, actually not even two weeks, it was like a matter of a week and a half, all of my freelance options dried up because everything shut down and people were really wary of hiring anyone out of house in my industry. That was really painful to have this very sudden experience of, oh my gosh, what do I do when even my side hustle that I've established isn't working? Do I sit with a pandemic, which is its own unique once in a lifetime experience? The uncertainty was a space of opportunity because I realized very quickly that in order for me to be, and I've always done this as a practice of mine, to be marketable as an artist, but also for my own self-fulfillment and mastery is I'm always learning. So I love massive open online classes. I love getting on and LinkedIn or learning or what used to be Linda, I guess it's still Linda or Creative Live or Skillshare or Coursera and learning skills. But it was a moment of, okay, I am a writer. Do I start writing articles? Do I have some skill sets? And what is the industry doing as a result of this? And what can I choose? That was really a practice of what is available? What can I do? What can I learn? And how can I sort of enhance my likelihood of being attracted or attractive to employers or have a career that basically is always sustaining itself because you're never just one thing. You have a knowledge of a lot of things. And yeah, that was really a smart decision for me. And it continues to go on. I mean, I know you haven't asked me this question, but last year was also an incredible year of conferences being free and virtual. Yeah. And as a result of that, I was already a major advocate of digital transformation. But what we experienced last year during the pandemic was almost three to five years of transformation. Suddenly, that whole idea of working from home, which was kind of just completely out of many businesses and industries scope of why would we do that, is this massive change in thinking. And then that thinking and the results of that to protect employees is suddenly we have all these applications that need and structures that need to be established. This last year was also about, I think individually, we all became aware of apps and productivity hacks and apps that can be used to integrate your life to better serve the things in your world. And if you work independently or freelance like I do, or even if you work at a bigger organization, you have to be an evangelist for what services can serve you and serve your business. And it was really wonderful 
to sit kind of from a perspective of while I was still working and doing everything I said in terms of newsletters and designing systems for these not-for-profits, it was also really fun to see how industries and business leaders were pivoting in their idea about what solutions would be most meaningful and how the world was changing. That gave me a lot of excitement and also continued to push that continuing to take classes and continuing to attend conferences and continuing to ask questions and be curious. I mean, I could have gotten world record like badges for my excellence in continued education last year (laughs) because I would take classes from coding to songwriting in the same day. And those are very different experiences. I studied other languages. I studied programming languages, as I just said. I studied web design, typography, photography, business and analysis, machine learning, and AI, like lead generation. It's just a wonderful time of personal and professional development and a great time for being curious and not being afraid, like leaning into the unknown and saying that's a place of opportunity instead of being adverse. And here's the brass tax people. And this isn't just my opinion. This is the collective understanding. And you can see the trends anyway. Because of everything that's happened, all the tech companies are are already investing and upskilling, okay, giving skills that people don't have to their current employees, because many of the skills that most people have now will not be relevant in three years. When you see Google offering, they're really become a thought leader and an educator, and even Microsoft, there's lots of partnerships for families. Yes, it's a great way to scale and have relevance for your brand, but it's also a matter of helping satisfying need because businesses need to make money. And if their employees can't use the applications or they don't know how to integrate all these things in working, then there's inefficiency. And so I empower everyone. If you're not asking questions of where is your industry going to be in a few years, and even if you're like, I have, there's no way I care or whatever, nothing's going to change. I mean, I hope this year has taught you otherwise. But even someone who works in like a beautician, There are AI, virtual reality experiences for makeup. There's so much transformation going on. I know it's always going on, but you should be really excited and you should seek what is next. Because if you're not asking that question, then, I mean, you're going to be unpleasantly surprised in a couple of years when you're like, there's all of this technology. And it's so simple. It really democratizes the world and it's made to be efficient to make us more efficient if you know how to use it. Get ahead of it and don't get the bad news like, oh, now you have to learn a new application or a new system because that is the future of the world. Where are you now when it comes to looking for work? What are you working on now? That's a great question. I think the theme of this last year was a surrender. And I have gotten calls from people of all iterations of my life who are interested in trying to help me find what it is, not even help me find, just like, what is it that I'm looking for? And one of the things that I can say quite openly is that I'm a helper. And so 
I would love to work in a marketing agency again. I would really enjoy that. And for the fulfillment of myself, though, longer term, is I would love to be like a product manager or something that's more in the space of combining the technical side with also the marketing side in any space that I can have both sides of the brain and be working on both sides of that. That's very attractive to me, not just because it's the future. If anyone knows a disk assessment, I'm a C. I'm all about systems and process improvement. And the idea of leading other people as well as speaking different languages and collaboration is like exactly what I love. Also, I love the iterative nature of launching products to market and seeing how they perform because I'm not afraid to fail. I know that's a buzzword and I don't really believe in failure. I think it's faltering is that you stumble a little bit, you see what's not working. And I mean, we can prototype things so quickly now that your loss isn't as great than as if you drag your feet and you're afraid to just put it into the market. And sure, there has to be lots of testing. That's not to say that there's not. But I think ultimately, that's the bigger vision is that while going to a space of an agency and working alongside, I'm really interested in having a greater interaction with tech because it's fascinating. It's exciting. There's so much opportunity and I'd love to just... And even at a startup, I love small places. That's the other thing I learned about myself. My previous job was at a big corporate company. I mean, I loved it. There were great people. Our mission was great. I'm not going to say who they are or what they do, but there was a merger and acquisition. It was also in that space of watching that happen and being witness to it. But where I really thrive is in smaller startups because I don't mind wearing a lot of hats. I don't mind learning. I don't mind researching. Research is actually like one of my specialties. Again, data mining, that's like a space that I'm learning more and more about to communicate it because it's a skill that as marketers, I will need. You can't just be speaking of, I like this, or I think it's going to appeal to the customer. The customer and prospective customers dictate and communicate to you in your touch points and in their interaction with your products, what is most appealing to them. And the only way that you can figure that out is by doing and collecting it and not being lazy about it. But again, that requires marketing stacks. It requires integrated applications to solve your business solution and I've really enjoyed listening to people speak about what they offer as well as their case studies to what they actually used and what really works and speaks to people because it's changed. You know, we've been inside, people are excited to go back outside and I'll be fascinated to see in terms of industry, how that will affect long-term residency where people decide to live as things become more remote and not so location centric. Also the workforce, how things change and transform as businesses have to make decisions of, will we be an optional work from home space? Will you have to come back to the office? 
or will it be some combination of both and how that will be determined? I've heard that some people are already being forced to go back. I've even heard of requirements that they have to be vaccinated too in order to go back. Now, I'm curious, how do you feel about like over the last 14 months going through the pandemic in regards to your personal growth? What has that been like for you? Oh man, it's been awesome. Although I wouldn't have said that maybe initially. I would say I am better than I've ever been. And a big part of that is when you face your greatest fear by no volition of your own, sometimes it's not your choosing, but life hands you something. It can be a priceless gift. It really can be. And I would say, this is how I would explain it, okay? I'm a driven person. I have been on some levels considered a workaholic and I am a recovered workaholic. That was gutted by the pandemic initially. But rather than wallow in that self-pity and also being so less focused on the financial part of it, because I am a super saver, so that's a benefit of mine. I feel like what I got was a gift. I got the gift to spend time with my parents. I got the gift to be useful to other people. I got the gift of learning skills that were not primarily my job within my job description because I was in that startup environment, because I was a one-man band of all of these things. And by being pushed outside of my limit and testing my mettle, I learned to relax. I learned to be less afraid and more resilient. Life isn't ever what we anticipate, but it gives us what we need to truly grow. And growing in terms of being a better friend, growing in terms of being just a better human of the citizen of the world, that, my friend, is the best gift of all. And really cultivating even more patience towards the things that we think that we need. Uh, just patience in life, but also asking that question and reevaluating what is it that we value? And what is it that we think will make us happy? Because sometimes that question and our answer to that, while you need to be specific, we don't actually know. Life isn't a one-way street. There's lots of side roads you can go down and some roads are faster. You know, you're in the city driving versus you're on the interstate and it's midnight. You can go as fast as you want. Like you're always in different places, but you get to choose if you want to think it's your worst day or your best day ever. That's all in your head. It's how you talk to yourself. It's how you see what you're facing. And it's also being willing to say, I'm open. I'm open to this being different than what I think it needs to be to make me happy. And that is real freedom for me. Not that I'm so rigid, but I think that particularly leaving a city and an apartment that I loved and a place that I was really happy to being in the middle outside of a city with my parents, I'm in my mid thirties, like wasn't exactly my dream in life. It was not something I ever imagined I would do, but it was one that I learned to value my body. I learned to value my mind. I learned to value my spirit. And I realized that life is full 
of so many things to be grateful for. It is not worth the few things that you don't have. Because if you don't have them, then you probably don't really, I mean, I say this cautiously, you maybe don't really need them. We just think that we need them to be happy. Is there anything that you wanted to talk about the last year? Yes, I do. One of the things that I think we all learned, hopefully, in the pandemic, had some taste of this in our experience, is about our relationships. Relationships with ourselves, relationships with our children, relationships with our friends, and also our significant others and our families. One of the greatest gifts that the pandemic this last year has given me is a reevaluation of who is in my life and adding value and reciprocal versus who is in my life out of convenience and in the position of getting something. And what also isn't working? What are you not talking about in your relationships? that might actually solve the problem, the thing that you are withholding that could actually service the communication barriers, the belief barriers, your assumptions or whatever. And while I lost some friends in the process, I got a whole new criteria for how I want to be treated. Yes how other people should be treating me, and also what is okay and not okay just fundamentally. Because I can be extraordinarily forgiving, extraordinarily. And reevaluating that, I realized that being a people pleaser is actually a little bit of manipulation and controlling and toxic. And it doesn't offer space for people to help you solve the problem or really get to know someone. I would say friendships have, and not just friendships, relationships and reevaluating that time has been wonderful. Also, just the definition of work, life, what does that look like? What do you do? What habits do you have that are no longer serving you? Gosh, when you're in a space like I was, and you're living with your parents and you're living out in the middle of nowhere and it isn't exactly where you want to go, where does your head go? Do you practice self-care? Is your self-care practice sustainable or has it been majorly affected because maybe it involved going to a yoga class in person or getting a massage or getting a facial or Maybe it involved taking a retreat and traveling somewhere that was not an option this last year. Or maybe it was going to see a therapist. And for whatever reason, that's not an option this year or last year. You know, things are opening back up. But addressing those things and also adapting, right? Like, this is good enough. I can make this work instead of, oh, I just feel so empty. And so a lot of people Netflixed and chilled last year. I know a lot of people caught up on a lot of content and many people who are YouTube present people, influencers, had a massive, wonderful year of growing their businesses. Same with online classes, personal development and podcasts. Oh my gosh, what a billion dollar exploding international industry. How exciting that is. 
But at the end of the day, if your self-care is distracting yourself with all of these things, you're actually not checking in to see where you are emotionally. And so for me, it was really a exercise in learning to cope with uncertainty, financially being helped, which is like a really not okay scenario. And by health, everyone, I just want to be clear, like living with my parents rent free instead of this idea of them financially giving me money, but they might as well have been. That was very eye opening. But your relationships are one of those coping gifts. If you have really good people in your life, they become anchors and pillars and people to get you out of the doldrums. If all you are is work, 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 or all you are is running around like a crazy person and you're not cultivating and carving time for yourself to check in and see where you are, you can't fix what's eating you, what's bothering you. That's denial. That's not strength. Denial is not strength. It's avoidance. And eventually it will catch up to you because emotions will exceed our rational brains. And that's when we behave in ways that aren't always, if we haven't practiced, useful. And that can look a lot of different ways for people. How did you find that you changed up your self-care since so much changed from being a workaholic to all of a sudden not having a job, kind of going into probably a little bit of a panic mode of now what, Mm -hmm. what's going to happen? Nobody's really hiring. And then moving and then coming into your parents' house, like how did you handle self-care? A big part of that self-care looked like this. I lived alone. I have been in a long-term relationship with my partner, long distance. Well, when he and I are not together physically, what that used to look like was I can be an insomniac sometimes and stay up really late. It could be drinking too much caffeine, having a little too much sugar. But really, here's the thing. It's the idea of I have this stuff to do. What do I remove from my life? This is the before. What do I remove from my life that is unnecessary to get this thing done? That used to look like is I'm not going to exercise today. I'm not going to go to bed at a reasonable time. I've forgotten to eat today. I'm going to eat this one meal and neglect myself for the rest of the day. It's all of those things or... I'm really angry. And rather than addressing the anger, I'm just going to hold it inside and just see and unconsciously and consciously complain in like these never ending mental cycles, moving in with my parents who are older and have a routine that involves getting up early, which I am also a get up early person. But it was carving out. This is what time I wake up fitting within their routine as well not staying up late, calling a workday done before dinner, having dinner with my parents, eating three meals a day, regardless of what my day looked like, making exercise, which could be a walk, few walks in the day in the neighborhood, and finding a moment every day to listen, to have gratitude, to reach out to a friend, to write a little bit, to meditate, to physically move your body, to enjoy nature, like listen, do spotting where you like look, focus on one thing at a time 
and not in the space of panicked, I'm going to stay up all night. I didn't give up coffee, but I had rules about coffee to eliminate staying up at night and started drinking more tea. And my parents have an older dog. So it was also learning to be really patient and walking the dog and just finding those moments, finding pleasure in them instead of finding aggravation and irritation at why isn't life handing me a different scenario? Yeah. That really is the difference between me now. And actually a friend of mine commented very kindly because I've been doing so much work about the person he met in 2018 to the person that he met now is the difference between a person who is almost like the Energizer bunny, who's constantly like, go, 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 delivering candle at both ends, but like delivering high volume of work and neglecting myself to a person who is more present, more grounded, and honestly breathes, like just breathing. That was a big one. It was like that A to B of that person where I'm like, I still do a lot of work, but I get what I can get done in the day. And I don't turn my computer on at nine o'clock at night and say, I'm going to do another seven hour, or I don't get up at three o'clock in the morning and say, I'm going to work. And I still wake up sometimes at that three o'clock, two o'clock hour. But my practice is go to bed because the next few days, the next day, the next two days, you're going to feel wacky. You're going to feel off and you're not going to know why you're hungry, lonely, tired, whatever it is, angry, why you are that. But part of it is the sleep and sleep is the biggest self-care thing that you can do. And if you do not prioritize it, I love my sleep. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, your skin, your brain, your resilience, your ability to manage what life throws out. You can't respond to life in a calm way if you have sleep deficit. And that doesn't mean people, you need to go to bed at nine o'clock at night or something, or that you need to sleep eight hours. We all have our measure of what feels good for us. It's just getting enough of it because you can't make that up. Like eventually your body will collapse and it will want to sleep and you'll be like, gosh, I don't know, I just feel so tired. And it's like three months later and you can't get enough sleep or you're crying or you're just chronically angry or you just feel burnt out. And it could just be, you just need to sleep. That's what you need to do. And it will change your entire demeanor. It really will. But we don't give enough time to that. That's important for sure. Are there any questions you have for me? (laughs) Yeah, I have a question for you. Oh boy. Lucy. How has our friendship helped you cope with the pandemic? How has the dynamic of having your friends in your life helped you overcome the last 14 months? Boy, 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 what a good question. My friends to me, sometimes it feels like it's like my saving grace. It's like my lifeline. Through the pandemic, especially at the beginning, I was having issues with my sciatica down my left side and I could walk for six weeks. I was popping pills, laying on the floor, trying to get comfortable. I had to have a couple of shots in my back. We'll just leave it at that to help with the pain. And I didn't even know if the pain was going to go away. But having friends that I can connect with, reach out to, remind me who I am as a person and what I'm capable of 
has been huge over this time. Because for me, you know, losing the ability to feel like I could walk or exercise is taking away a bit of my identity. Being able to get back into that and to lean into my friends, especially because I live at home alone. It's just me and my little dog, Louis Gizmo. And I, ever since becoming single, I enjoy being single and being alone and having my own space, doing whatever I want in my house. But the pandemic really made me realize like, holy crap, I really am an extrovert. Like I really need to be connected to people better or more. And even now, just thinking about it, I feel like even though we feel like we're coming out of the pandemic, I still have that feeling of like, you're not connected as you should be because I have moments where I'll meet somebody new especially over the last couple of days. And we just engage in such a beautiful way. And I find this connection where I'm trying to help them and network with them and do all these different things and have these wonderful conversations and just how much that means to me. And I find that my friends have to some degree been the glue that's kind of kept everything together. They've been my cheerleaders through the last forever years. But friends to me are absolutely everything. At my worst moments, I can call a friend and it's like everything changes. I called a friend yesterday and we chatted for like 20 minutes and she was telling me what was going on at work, what is going on in her life and how her baby's doing. And just having that connection to me is so important and key for my mental health. Absolutely. And I would add, there's something we didn't talk about. I will ask you a question, but something I didn't mention that was a big part of this last year was developing a spiritual sense, connecting and reframing that and really bringing that into an everyday practice and not just when things are bad, like even when things are going really great, having a check-in as part of my tools of being sane and happy. I feel like that without me mentioning that part of my story would be really misleading because it's hard to get up every day and live in uncertainty without having something that you feel connected to that's outside of you, outside of another human being while friends are wonderful. There are times that we need to be quiet, connected to something bigger than ourselves. I struggle with that big time. How has this podcast already helped you see resilience? Have you changed your definition of what you define as resilience or has it only expanded as a result of these conversations that you're having with others? Or even doing this podcast, gosh, I mean, in practice of resilience. Doing the podcast has been something I've wanted to do the last two and a half years, I'd say. And like many things, it's one of those things that was on my list of like, one day I would love to do that. One day I would love to get this together and make it happen. And the time kept on coming where it's like, are you going to get it done? Are you going to make the connections? And it happened to be that I had the whole concept all together. And then I was working with a business coach of mine. And she's like, yeah, you got this. You got to do it. Let's put you in contact with somebody. I hired somebody. I still like was dragging my heels. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And I think one of the biggest fears was what if I don't keep up with it? What if it's a failure? What if I don't have meaningful conversations that people can relate to and to appreciate? 
But it's interesting because even you and I over the last like week or two have been rescheduling, you know, things have been coming up in our lives. And I've had situations where it's like, I missed a week of recording. And I'm like, Oh, gosh, you know, like, this is it. This is the end. You know, this is not how life works. Like things are going to happen. And you just have to go along with it. And for me, not being perfect, because none of us are perfect, but accepting that things are not always going to go as planned or appear like they're perfect is a form of self-acceptance that is so key to my recovery with addictions, with mental health, to be able to say that didn't get done the way you wanted it to or how it would have looked perfect in your eyes, but you're still showing up. And that's really what the most important thing is. I really think that self-acceptance and being brave is what it comes down to. And just knowing that, first of all, finding something that you love, because before I go and I do an interview, I have these feelings of like, oh my God, I'm not prepared. I'm not this. I'm not that. What if it doesn't go well? This, that, and the other. And then right before I get really excited, Um, kind of how I imagine people get excited when they're like singers and they're getting ready to go on stage and they get all like pumped up. And I'm like, yeah, I'm so excited. I love this. I love the connection. I love the conversation. And I'm like, this is you. This is your element. And I realized that me being creative and me creating is so important to my being of who I am. You know, I started cross-stitching a a couple of days ago, even if I throw the television on or I'm listening to an audiobook, me constantly creating and letting the thoughts flow is so important to be me and for my mental health because I find that when I start to shut down or zone out watching Netflix or just feeling sorry for myself or feeling stuck, you know, that's when I tend to go down the hill. I start rolling down the hill and I'm like, oh, where am I going? Where am I going? Also plugging in with friends too. That's a huge part of keep on going. No, but it's so important because I share with you the experience of having that self-care space of life looking one way and it's not what we envision and wanting to be disappointed But then life will hand us other gifts that we really actually need. Just when we think everything is lost, something amazing happens. It can be big, it can be small. But to your point, in terms of conversations and sharing with other people, to deny that there's help happening in the energetic exchange of dialogue and connection. And in that curiosity, you can learn so much about someone else. And I understand that performance side because there was a point in time when I did interviewing a lot. And But you gain so much if you're just present because you actually don't need to be anyone else. You just need to be yourself and just witness it. But I should also mention like during this crazy pandemic time, I won some like industry awards. You know, I'm like living with my parents. And I'm thinking, gosh, my life, what has it amounted to? Like on my worst days. Last year, at the end of the year, I got to go to an industry conference that was virtual with my father and sit and toast 
Like I was nominated for three different categories, three different videos, which was record setting for the company I used to work for. And I won two of the three prizes. Wow. I won first prize, which was a gold, and I won a bronze for the other piece. But in both cases, if you had told me that when I got laid off, I didn't even know they submitted the work. The point is, it's not about winning awards or acclaim or something. The work that I was doing last year, how would I know that the counties and the organizations that I was supporting would end up getting a national recognition a year later? You don't know when you're the busy bee and you're just like working in it. And I should say that region was supported by five women, five women, all those states. Like it's not like we were a major team, but the passion and the determination and the solidarity of vision really makes the difference in accomplishing goals and moving the needle and affecting the world, really. I mean, there's a power in numbers and you don't need to have a massive march. But if you have a clear vision that other people also support and want to help you with, then they're going to be there for you. They're not going to be fair weather and say, oh no, and be the naysayer and say, what are you thinking? They might check in with you if you're being a little too ambitious, but for no other reason than they just want to make sure that you're not disappointed by something that is not ready to happen. Lucy, I'm so honored that you invited me to do this interview because I heard you talk about this podcast. And when she finally launched everyone, I definitely was also an encourager of pushing her past that space. And I commend you. Thank you. Because, and I commend you for this, Lucy, like a lot of people wish for things, but wishing and doing are very different. They live in entirely different spaces. And that extra step of effort, because here's the thing, when you go to choose to do something, you might have an idea of a few of the steps required. But there's a lot of things that are like, you don't even figure out until you're doing it. And this could be time, equipment, best practices, again, data and information of your audience and what they like, what you're good at, what you're not good at, that you might have a misunderstanding about what you need help doing. But if you're why, if you start with that why question of why am I doing this, then on those days when you don't want to do it, on those days you don't want to show up, even as imperfect as we are, because we all are. And those imperfect days, you make it work. It might not look the way you like, but you make it work. That's all that really matters. This podcast, everyone is a testament to Lucy's conviction for really being an encourager and almost like a healer in the world to be proven the resilience and being strong in the face of adversity because it is easy to give up. It's easy to play the victim. We don't think it is, but it is. It's easier to say, I can't, even though we're tortured by, I can't. I think it's wonderful what you're doing. And again, thank you so much for asking me to tell my story. Thank you for coming on. Yeah. yourself going from here. Most immediately, I'm actually spending the weekend editing something, all weekend video editing for people who don't know. But my next step is I'm open for work, everyone. If you need anybody to be copywriting or help you with your marketing strategy in any way or shape or form, I'm open to that. But more than anything, I am 
stronger than I've ever been. And whatever life hands me in terms of the next thing, it'll be with gratitude and openness and not, oh, this isn't what's supposed to happen. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. Because here's the thing, impermanence, people, impermanence is the nature of life. You choose to stay in a place. You don't have to. That's the choice. So always remember your power in that. And you'll realize that life is a co-creation of your own design and not just one that you were handed to deal with. Incredible. It's one that we get to choices. So make smart decisions, choose opportunity, do the things other people aren't doing because you can make it amazing places, like really, truly amazing places when you take the road less traveled. And sometimes the harder, the steeper, the less popular route. Before you go, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast so you can receive new episodes when they are released. If you are enjoying this podcast so far, please take a moment to leave us a review. This is one of the major ways Apple ranks their podcasts, and it really only takes just a few seconds. Thank you for joining me, Lucy Pinto, in this episode of the Sassy Warrior Podcast, Stories of Everyday Resilience. See you next time.